were bad, but now they're okay. Only me or my, you're the apple of my eye, girl. I never loved one like you. Found you hiding here, so won't you take my hand, darling? There's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular, Lar. And we've kind of reached the end of a thing today, even though it's not the series finale. We've kind of reached the season finale of uh, We Built This Glee Club. And I have two awesome guests with me today, so I'll let them introduce themselves before we jump in. Hello, I'm Connie, and I'm sleep-deprived mine on Tumblr. And I'm Rosie, and I'm coming up Rosie on Tumblr. Welcome back, guys. And um, yeah, like I said when I we started, uh, this is kind of the end. To me, this episode feels like the end of season six. And I know we've got the last two episodes, but I feel like, you know, 2009 is really the flashback episode and, and Dreams Come True is really the series finale special episode. Um, and this kind of just feels like a normal season ender to me. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but. Yep, I do. Do? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, this kind of ties up all the storylines that really didn't get tied up yet. Um, that are not going to be tied up in the in the series finale. Um, but, really, it, it is a throwback to season one in a lot of ways because season one ended with sectionals and it ended um it really ended kind of just in a nice quiet way there was no huge 
you know, they had their huge musical number at the end, but this kind of does the same thing, even though they're going to win sectionals in this one. I think it's a nice kind of like throwback to the originals, you know, that, um, that 13th episode of season one and how they um, kind of just, you know, show the Glee club becoming a real team. And they went off and they did their major competition and, yeah, the story is not over, but the but we're gonna just stop watching the story if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I I must admit, I really liked that part of season six because I know a lot of people absolutely love the New York part, and I remember being excited for that to happen. But once it was there, I actually really missed the school stuff. Mm-hmm. So actually, I really, I was one of the, the ones that actually really liked it when they were back at school. And, you know, this this uh, journey to get into sectionals, I actually really rather enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly. <laughs> well, I don't even say that it was odd. I just, I think a lot of people, as I've gone through season six and as we are reaching the end of it, a lot of people have expressed the same kind of sentiment that they really enjoyed the high school aspect and yeah these are not exactly the same characters um the characters that we love are are kind of being pushed out into the roles that they are supposed to go do with the rest of their lives but um yeah this whole idea of bringing these new characters in and these new characters that you know a lot of people really liked including myself um mm-hmm. and to show them kind of being the new generation of kids that we're not going to follow, but they're going to be there and Glee Club's going to be fine. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's been a, a thing that a lot of people have been enjoying. Yeah. All right. So let's jump in, in the episode a little bit. And um, we start with, uh, we've got, the, you know, the previous episode, the Warblers, Dalton burnt down and we've got, you know, them, they are now in with the New Directions, and we've got the Warblers and the New Directions, like, uh, doing their, you know, practicing, which is kind of nice, because when do we get to see the Glee Clubs actually practicing? Not very often. Mm-hmm. And I like that there's a kind of a throwback, to, and I, I have to wonder, um, Zach Woodley was the choreographer for for pretty much the whole show. And in this particular sequence that they're dancing, um, it's very like, you know how they use um, like pull this thing and grab it here and dip here, you know, and it's like, I wonder if that's Zach Woodley's way of teaching dance to people who are not necessarily dancers. Um, (laughs) Cause they did it with, um, they did it with single ladies back in season one, where when Kurt is teaching the the football players the the single ladies dance, and he's he's doing that same kind of thing, and they do that again here with the mm-hmm. warblers, and I just thought it was kind of funny. Mm. Um, but the the conflict here um, kind of goes into. Um, the vocal adrenaline. Who has gone over to coach vocal adrenaline? And um, so they're trying to up their game. And the biggest issue has been Roderick and Spencer not being able to dance very well. Uh. <laughs> and, and so, and I like, um, uh, I don't know. I just like the banter between these new kids and the warblers. And, I, you know, I know a lot of people are on the fence about the old newbies, but I think this group really gels and, 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 I can see, you know, had this gone on, yes, I would miss my characters, but I can see this doing all right with a yeah. whole new group of characters. 
Yeah. And I was glad, actually, I was one because I actually really liked Becca Tobin and I really mm-hmm. liked Kitty. So I was very yeah. happy they brought Kitty back. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that neat sort of like in the middle bit because, yeah, it was kind of a shame with the, the, the new, new directions, but the new, new, new. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The new, this, new, is new. Like, this is like the third iteration or the third oh. generation of the mm-hmm. new direction. Yeah. 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 And we talked a lot about why they work and just that they, you know, these characters are characters who, instead of trying to fill the shoes of people who have left, they've kind of, you know, come into their own as their own individual characters, which is kind of fun. But I think also something that also makes it work is that we're now, you said like the third iteration, we are now far enough away from our new characters being in high school that that time displacement makes feels more so you can you know like our Rachel and our Kurt and our Blaine they feel like adults yeah. and these kids feel like kids mm-hmm. and it's an interesting new dynamic to play with yeah I think it, it is an interesting new dynamic and also of course they're not you know you think of the the season four newbies who were stepping in where I like some very beloved shoes yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that was really hard. So again, that bit of distance, you're not really, it doesn't feel like you're replacing anyone in quite the same way as it did in yeah. season four. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And also, I think it doesn't really, what I get from these new newbies is that they're not really <laughs> trying to find, fit some stereotype like that we thought before. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're really trying to make their own, I guess, the. I guess this speaks to the acting, too, in the way that it's written, but I perceive that they try to make the roles their, the roles their own and not really be judged by any previous roles. Mm-hmm. So this kind of ties into what Rosie was saying. But yeah, so I think that's what, that's what enabled, I guess, more endearment for the characters by the, you know, by fans. So mm-hmm. I think they had a little easier role than the previous iteration yeah i wonder if they also you know uh, they went into it there was they're definitely secondary characters to rachel kurt blaine sue will they're not trying to be the new breakout stars (laughs) um and then they know that there's a limited time with them they're not trying to tell these huge epic love stories like i feel like marley and jake and Ryder were supposed to be this huge big thing that never really yeah. caught on mm-hmm. and they're not trying to do that with these guys they they kind of are what they are and um i don't yeah, know that's a good I like point mm-hmm. um i also i you know uh, rosie to what you said was that you know kitty i'm glad they did bring her back because i think at this point you know in the series and season six in general she yeah, she's a nice, interesting connection to those, you know, that second generation of, of characters. But I think at this point she'd become such her own character and Becca Tobin had done such a great job kind of crafting her into her own character that she you know, like, you know, Chris Colfer or Naya Rivera or, you know, a couple of people before them, before her, able to take this role and make her not so much a stereotype but make her an interesting character. And I think she she makes a great connection you know, a go-between with somebody who's been there before, but somebody can teach these new kids, and she's got a lot of great background moments, and um, I really like the moment, like, in this, you know, early on in this episode, where she, you know, they're like, the Warblers are like, we've got a problem, and and 
you know, they're like, you know what, you're not going to tell the three girls in the back and stuff like that to stand in the back. And, and of course, that's not what the issue is, but I just, <laughs> yeah. they've got some really great, you know, she's really great. The fact that, you know, Madison and Jane and Kitty all seem to be friends and there's mm-hmm. not this competition aspect between them. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I, it, it just worked better, didn't it? I, but mm-hmm. I, again, I, I think it was, I don't know what the heck they were doing in season four with the newbies, because it was a shame, because actually, I think if they'd taken the same approach that they took with the season six and let them be secondary characters and come along and get people to take to them, it would have worked out a lot better. I think it was that you are going to instantly start caring about these characters from uh, episode one, season four, which it was quite hard to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. I think if they'd let them be background for a while, people would have come around to them more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I think is kind of interesting now that I think of it is there's this idea, there is this idea that, you know, in the first season, the episodes one through 13, we didn't know those kids that well. And we got to know them over the course of those 13 episodes. And I feel like here, again, it's that parallel that we don't, we didn't know these kids very well. But, you know, they're underdogs. They're, they're you know, not really, they're just kind of socially awkward in a lot of ways. And they're learning to be a team. And you want them to succeed. And this, and this episode is the, you know, yeah, you want them to succeed for Rachel and Kurt and Will's, you know, for them to be coaches. Yeah. But at the same time, we've been watching these kids all season and they've been, you know, awkwardly trying to gel as a team as they did in the first season. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think the play, I think the parallel works really well. Yeah. No, you're right. Cause those first 13 episodes, we, it's shoe we know best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the two, the two, and the t- other teaching stuff, particularly shoe, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so kind of going on, we have this conflict a little bit about um, Spencer and Roderick not being very great dancers. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, it's kind of funny that Spencer's getting on Roderick, but Spencer's pretty much just as bad. Uh-huh. Um, so, that, and it's funny that Roderick is trying to tre- ends up trying to teach Spencer uh, the actual... Um, dance steps mm-hmm. but yeah and this is i'm trying to i'm just watching the episode as we do this a little bit because i have it on mute um and nothing comes up they're just discussing about dancing lessons um but not much comes up yet all right so going into the next scene though this this kind of cracks me up okay so we start off this next portion which is a big plot line of sam talking to rachel and this whole purpose, this we talked a little bit about this in Both Child Star and The Rise of Paul of Sue Sylvester. But the whole purpose of this is that Rachel is kind of at this crossroads. Mm-hmm. And the crossroads is that she can either take this play on an off, off-Broadway play or she can finish her Niata degree. And there's some cute banter here with Sam and Rachel. But I would mm-hmm. like to, first of all, point out. Like there's, I don't understand what the relationship is at this point. Are they supposed to be still dating? Or is this where they kind of break? Because they kind of get in an argument about her going back to school, 
But yeah. like, have they already decided maybe that just they hooked up and that's fine and they're done? Because it's going to, we'll talk about Jesse in a second, but like it never, it feels a little unresolved. I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on this? Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was very, um, like, it, I thought it was very borderline on, I think, well, my impression was that it, the kind of dating aspect had kind of run its course, and they were more as back to being friends Yes. But you didn't really say that they, you know, didn't really have a clear break. It just kind of stopped, um, stopped and kind of, uh, kind of, uh, kind of petered away or something like that. But they didn't really address it on the show. I mean, in conversation, like, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're stop, kind of, we're gonna stop dating and, you know, just be friends. They didn't really do that clear cut of stuff, but they just stopped. Mm-hmm. Sort of like that. That was my impression. Yeah, mine too, actually. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I didn't get the impression from the that it was ever going to be more than it wasn't that serious uh, a thing. But you're right; it didn't get. Um, it wasn't something addressed. You just get the sense that it hasn't been that serious. It's just been, uh, you know. Two people in in, in uh, the same place at the same time. Who this worked out for us now, but we're not. It's not going to be a serious thing going forward. But it's never explicitly put that way. You just get yeah. that sense. I think. Yeah. yeah, I agree completely. I think it's it's kind of funny because I'm wondering. I can see this kind of you know we hooked up for this time being, and then Rachel's like, I'm going back to New York, and Sim's like, Okay, that's fine. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really attached to this relationship. Um, but and in fact, Sam wants her to go, so he yeah. clearly isn't that attached. I think he's he's very attached to her, but not to her girlfriend. Bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they like, yeah. It's kind of just funny, and and it's it's funny to me that a lot of times people we look really like deeply into the, like the clean storylines and why didn't they show this with clean and why didn't they show that with clean? And I'm like, I feel like saying sometimes like they're not the only ones that got this kind of weird drop plot line or, you know, awkward writing because they, this, this is a clear example of at least like taking a left turn. We're like, Oh, we got Jonathan Groff back. So let's not worry about Sam anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) These two just work together. Let's play here. (laughs) Exactly. And, 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 you know, this whole conversation that she's having with Sam where there, it is a friendly banter where they talk about who has succeeded with college and who, succeeded without college but um it's so it's friendly and it doesn't speak to me as two people who like you know have been sleeping with each other it's just two friendly people um and sam really cares about rachel's well-being um and so i think also because he because of his having that sense of her that's where she belongs uh and that's what she should be doing because he's got his own strong sense of where or the character's got the, this strong sense of where he belongs as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Which is, I agree. you know, he's, mm-hmm. he should be back home in Ohio. But, yeah. Yep. I, 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 the character, the, the Sam, just such a sweet character, really. Yeah, um, I yeah. agree. He really is. The funny part, though, about this whole conflict with Rachel is that, you know, she's – 
you know, Carmen Thibodeau, for reasons that I do not understand, um, has let her back into Niata. Yeah. Why <laughs> is this a, like, why? Okay. So, you know, as I've said, I said it on the previous podcast, I've said it on other podcasts. If you have a career, and she does already, um, and, you know, why are you worried about school? School is not something that is a mandatory thing. Now, school can be a great opportunity, and especially if you're going into being a surgeon or a rocket scientist or, you know, it's a necessary mm-hmm. thing. But to be a performer, schooling is not necessary. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just funny to me that she keeps having this debate that's not really a conflict and, uh, like should I waste four years and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars or should I get paid to be in these roles? I mean, (laughs) do you think it's Glee's PSA, you know, kids go to school. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Well, and then, okay. So moving in, Oh, sorry, Connie, what did you say? That's okay. I don't mean to interrupt, but no, go ahead. I I was just thinking maybe it's, Maybe because they wanted to parallel it because because uh, like she was in the same situation the year before and mm-hmm. trying to figure whether to honor to take you know to take the funny girl or go you know stick you know, uh, you know uh, well not funny girl but go go on to that TV show opportunity rather than mm-hmm. stay at Niada and and things so or yeah now Sam makes a great point in the scene that he says. You know, you need to think about your long-term future and not just keep jumping from thing to thing. And I think that is important advice. And if they framed it as kind of this, Rachel is going to take control and actually commit to something, like commit to an idea, I can kind of understand that better. But they don't necessarily do that in the best way. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I could I could buy it, but it's still, I guess, awkward. Especially when, kind of awkward segue, we we get this, you know, we get our first song of the, the episode, and it's with Jesse, and it's Jesse's return. And the two of them sound brilliant. It's Listen to Your Heart, I believe is the name of it. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That's one of my and, Oh my God, those two, it's like, yeah. their chemistry is off the chart. Yeah. yeah. They they, uh, they just play off each other well. Their voices are amazing together. I say I just love 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 that duo. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do too. I mean, you've got Jonathan Groft and Leah Michelle, and they are great performers, and they sound great together. And I think in this little scene, okay, so you know he comes back for what like maybe two or three minutes of screen time Mm. and you can tell these two actors you know have history together and love each other very much and just all of this stuff comes through in the performance it it just kind of you you almost forget that there's stuff with that had happened with sam because these two you're like okay this makes sense there's chemistry this is real the song is gorgeous Mm. you know I I just love the little bit of and I wasn't even a huge Jesse St. James person back when in season one, but here I'm like, yes, this feels right. This is right. Yeah. I should be doing this. Yeah. And, and oh I don't know. Are they just uh flirt with each other in a way that is it actually it's a performance that it it, it actually sort of like a lot of the rest of the show, it's that what just that. That was so good. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, like, why are we not just, like, why is this whole episode not on this? And, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I know people don't always like it when the focus is on Rachel, but there are times when, like that, when I'm like, oh, she can have it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, and I like that... I like that they, you know, it makes you kind of want to root for Rachel again, too. I mean, you know, Rachel, you spend, at least I personally, spend a lot of the series just being frustrated with her. And I don't know, bringing in Jesse and bringing in even this, even though the conflict to me is ridiculous. I, you know, I want to see her go back to New York and I want to see her go, you know, pursue the rest of her life and have Jesse in her life and that kind of stuff, if that makes Mm -hmm. any sense. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I wonder if this would have played a little bit better if Rachel had been, you know, I'm still nervous about going after this part and Jesse coming in and be like, look, you'd be my co-star. We can go out and take the world by storm. And her, you know, if it had been a little bit more about her just being like, look, that's me, you know, I've regained my confidence. I can go out there and do this. I wonder if, if they took out the college aspect of it completely. Mm. But because she even says in this little when they're talking, she's like, you know, my biggest mistake was leaving Niata. And he says to her, you know, your biggest mistake wasn't leaving Niata. It was dropping the show for that stupid TV show, which is oh, exactly yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they even make the point that to say it in this episode, what her real issue was. So, again, the college thing, I don't get no, I, I, I really have uh, sort of long assumed it was sort of glee feeling, <laughs> the writers feeling they had to encourage kids to go to school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, don't drop out. Keep, you know, just in case, keep, you know, so you've got your, uh, you know, uh, got something in your back pocket should it all fall through. Uh, right. Which is weird with, you know, with the character of, of Rachel, Oh, for goodness sake, if anyone was going to, from the show, if any character was going to make it, it was going, it was always going to be Rachel. Right. So, so the idea that because she, you know, she left school early and went on to have a successful career, you know, yeah, was yeah. a bad well, thing. I'm not sure what quite, but I can only assume it's because mm. because of that. Yeah, because like you also, and I'll talk more about this when we get to the Kurt Rachel scene. You've got Leah Michelle who didn't go to college. Yeah, <laughs> Jonathan Groff went to college either. Wait, and they're wildly successful. I mean, you don't have to be, you don't have to go to college to succeed. And and again, I'm not telling like I don't think any young people really listen to this podcast. But if you do, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, if you like I said, if it's a a, a career that really demands it like a science or mathematics or engineering or, you know, go to college. But if you have a, a, you know, dream and you think that like you're going to be able to do okay. I mean, college is a great tool for performance, but it isn't necessary. So no, not at all. All right. So we're getting into, um, we get this next scene of Roderick and Spencer and Kitty's trying to teach them and it's all good and well. And um, then the, I believe this is when Spencer twists his ankle at this point. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. So he twists his ankle. <laughs> yeah. And 
it's a it's a it's a freak accident too. I mean, it's a you know he's trying to do a spin and he kind of just falls on it awkwardly. So it's 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 a one of those weird accidents. Yeah, yeah. it kind of reminds me of nationals when when mercedes had that food poisoning for like 10 seconds oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it's like oh no mercedes isn't gonna be able to sing and then it's like oh okay we're fine Um, this is a little bit again the choices of this episode are a little weird even if the sentiment is there um spencer really shouldn't be on his foot and he's like i'm gonna do this now, guys, again, I want to say to you, all the people out there listening, if you sprain your ankle, do not do this. Do not go out and dance on it. You could really ruin your, your ankle and <laughs> well, yeah. be able to not to walk and have issues the rest of your life. And uh-huh. don't don't push yourself to the extreme. This is kind of ridiculous. But. Okay, this is the important thing to know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Lee, why are you doing this? Because like, Coach Beast is like like you know sit down be quiet and he's like no i have got to do this i can push through it mm-hmm. oh okay that's fine i mean mm-hmm. with mercedes food poisoning that's like a temporary thing but they're like we can't do it. what if he breaks his foot and you're like oh clear writers oh, so <laughs> okay <laughs> oh man they're just oh i should probably say um the writer of this was what he wasn't one of the regular writers he's one of the crew members yeah um and i can't remember off the top of my head um it's, it's aristotle i'm gonna butcher his last name aristotle could kuzakis kuzakis yeah oh, he's a guy that's very friendly with um, yeah kevin and uh, yeah. jenna mm-hmm. Yeah. He's friendly with a lot of the cast. Yeah. So I'm glad he got the chance to write the episode. Um, yeah. It's... And on those slides, I wanted to point out that the, along those slides, I wanted uh, to say that the it was the first time director was Joaquin mm-hmm. Cedillo, the director of photography. And that he was, was a, just... a great on t- presence on Twitter. Yeah, um, he was. was going and he was a really yeah. nice guy. I'm really glad he got to direct because he was, what was he, um, DP or was he? DP, yeah. 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 Was, yeah. Wasn't he a sweetheart? He, he was. was. He uh-huh. still and is, he, I'm sure. But he you know, was yeah. lovely at the time, as you say on Twitter. Uh-huh. He was, yeah, that nice, calm, sweet presence there when it, there was a lot of madness going on. Yeah, <laughs> he, he dealt with a lot of crap because there was a lot of, you know, the a lot of the weird shippy stuff that went on and he yeah. would just take it all in stride oh, where most well, people oh did you uh, film them kissing how did they kiss what did they yeah. Do? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. and he yeah. just really took a lot of it in and he, he was able to kind of separate the nonsense from sincere curiosity and and he was always really kind with with people and i i, I don't know what he's doing now but i hope that he's doing well because he was just a, a you know, class act, great A guy. So because he went on to do Scream Queens, didn't he? With yeah. uh, I'm sure yeah. he did. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he did. So okay, so we get the next scene, which is funny enough, our last real Hummelberry scene because mm. they cut the Hummelberry stuff out of the finale. Well, I guess 2009 is going to have a bunch of stuff, but um, in present time, it's our last Hummelberry scene, um, and. 
basically, this is a little bit of a take on what Sam told her like 10 minutes earlier in the episode. And the... Okay, so I, I feel two ways about it. One, on the one hand, for all the people who were kind of bummed out that we didn't get any kind of Kurt Blaine stuff after the wedding. This is a little bit of a nod to that. We do get to hear about, you know, Kurt, how the fact that he's happy that he was able to have a second chance and, and, you know, instead of breaking up with his fiance, he gets to marry his fiance. And, um, he, he mentions that he's going back to Niata and we hear that Blaine is going to NYU. So we get just a small sense of, you know, their future plans. Yeah, yeah because Carmen Tripido doesn't have everybody back. Oh. Yeah. No, she doesn't. <laughs> and she, oh, and I forgot to even mention that, that Jesse even says that um, he was personally told by her that he didn't make the cut. And so I'm like, you didn't let in Jesse. You didn't let in Adam Lambert. But you let him Brody. Okay, fine. I don't get <laughs> your... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think Nyad is that great, but whatever. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I, I'm with Sam. That it's, you know, it's like this... <laughs> She's a oh, witch. it's a witch She's cool. A witch. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And he also he also kind of implies that last year was hard for all of them mm-hmm. and that he's so grateful to come back and have the second chance at life. And that's what he wants for her. Um, now, on the weird part of it, you've got, you know, award winning actress and vocalist Leah Michelle talking to award winning Chris Colfer about going to college which neither of them did <laughs> it's still one of this 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 conflict of this episode just i don't even know with it but i think it's a nice scene i do think it's nice to see them it's the last time it, it how do i put this I, i've complained a lot throughout the years about kurt being rachel's emotional prop and i like that here it's still kind of the same thing, but at the same time, it's also, you know what, this is my experience, you know, I'm there for you, but, you know, choose what you need to do. And it's a nice sentiment. And yeah. Yeah. I, maybe I'm just not as jaded now that we're at the end of this, I don't know. <laughs> well, one of the, the, the things I, I, well, one of the things that I felt, you know, watching this scene was, Something like uh, something that you alluded to before, as earlier that um, when I was looking at the scene and watching them, I felt like instead of there are two high schoolers talking, you know, like what they were before, mm-hmm. they they were. I was witnessing a conversation between two young adults who have grown up over the years and learned from their kind of experiences, and were just kind of talking to each other on that front. And I, I said, I sensed, even though that Rachel's still torn and still deciding, they both had enough, ex- gone through enough experiences post high school that they kind of um, are talking to the, each other on that level. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's what I thought was a bit different for me for this scene, as opposed to when they were talking before. Yeah. So, there's a sense yeah. of maturity about it. Yeah. It's very subtle, but I, 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 and I don't know whether I was reading it too much into things, but that's what I was sensing. Yeah, yeah I think you're right, though. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you're reading too much into it. I think that 
you know, as other people have mentioned on the show, this once they graduate the kids, they kind of like automatically age them up five years. Mm-hmm. And um, this this feels more like, you know, here are these, you know, mid 20 somethings talking about trying to get, you know, footing on their life, even though they've screwed it up and going out there and doing that again, which is what the sentiment, what I do think that the show was going for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily match up with the ages that they're supposed to be, but you know, sometimes when the emotion is real enough, you can let a lot of the other things go. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I think with Glee, sometimes having that, you know, we can let that go as better for your emotional well-being. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, Yeah, you get to the point where you're like, is this in the fall or is it in the winter? And really, it doesn't matter. You have to keep going. It's glee. They just do whatever they want to do. Uh, It's so funny. Um, Yeah. Uh, I always, I've been joking lately that the only thing that I'm still actually angry about is the end of the tongue-tied in the Nationals episode because Kurt and Blaine didn't make out. And that's just kind of a faux anger. I'm not yeah. really that angry about it, but just being like, it is the one thing I get to be angry about. Not really. <laughs> I, it's <laughs> funny being this this far out, you know, 10 years after the show started, four years after it's ended, and those things just, uh, they don't make me mad. I mean, maybe, you know, because like when you're in fandom and you're in this I used to call it the fandom drain that like once the negative hit negativity hits, it just uh, sucks you down in with it. And you kind of get in this, you know, echo chamber of, you know, I hate this and they didn't do this right. And I wanted this and, you know, oh, yeah. and whether you're not like subjected to that, you can just enjoy the thing because you know, you don't have any ex- expectations. You know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, Yeah. Yeah, and you know, do you find that? I think there was the, especially sort of that middle period where it was just horrible at times. And you're right, and it actually sucked a lot of the enjoyment of watching it, where I re-watched it from start to finish uh, a while ago, just just as a binge watch, you know. Mm -hmm. And there were all sorts of performances I'd missed and stuff like that, because it was very sort of fixated on a few things that I didn't like or did like. And you think, I I actually missed some really nice stuff in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because we were getting pulled into this sort of, yeah, as you say, this spiral of discontent. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And and there's, I mean, because we just did we just did an episode on talking about Kurt and Pauline's full arc, and we're like, it's mostly there. I mean, yeah, there's a few missteps, there's a few things that you know I wish they'd done differently. Um, now that we're here at the end, for example, they don't. Well, we're gonna get to their their one conversation that they get to have with each other in this next scene. But um, <laughs> you know, yeah, they don't. But you know, when you push it all together, it feels like. It feels natural that there's the wedding and then there's basically the finale and that's it. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't a show about Kurt and Blaine. This was an episode, or this was a show about a Glee club. Yeah, and that's what the writers were always wanting, always wanted to write. And I think they were true to that, the spirit of the show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so this next scene might be one of my favorite scenes. Everybody in this scene is oh, stupid, but I love them for it. Um, basically they get a lot of boxes from what they think is glad. And then, you know, when Will is the voice of reason, like when he, well, I guess he had just talked to Sue or saw Sue in the hallway or something yeah. and he pushes it away. And then all of a sudden 
Everybody opens up their boxes and bam, glitter. Uh-huh. And this just solely for the reaction shots might be one of the yeah. funniest yeah. moments on the show. I mean, you've yeah. got you've got Mason who's got you know mm-hmm. the, everybody's seen that Mason Jeff where he's yeah. just like glitter. You got warblers spitting uh-huh. glitter out of their mouth. Yeah, you know? and then I love that like. Other people decide to start opening their boxes. Like, uh-huh. you know, it was just, it's so funny. And then there's a, um, then there's a glitter bomb inside the piano and the piano explodes. Of yeah. Glitter. Yep. Yeah, was that insured? <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, oh my goodness. And a little Myron's like, it's raining glitter. Yeah. <laughs> And then um, I, I feel uh, one of the reaction shots I thought was hilarious was, um, was, um, Let's see, Mason's. Let's see, Madison trying to climb out the window. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Oh man! And um, we get the only time Kurt and Slane speak to each other before the end of the series from the mm-hmm. wedding. Um, it which cracks me up. But um, yeah, basically they go into a little corner and and Kurt's like, "Is this insured?" And Blaine's like, "No, but it was very very pretty." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I miss that. You know, the one missed opportunity really is the fact that um, these two do comedy very well together. Yeah, they do, and mm-hmm. they spent so much of their time doing the relationship drama that I think sometimes the comedy got missed. And I, I, I not that I necessarily ever need a reunion show, but if they ever did, I would like just leave the relationship alone and just let them be funny. They're yeah. funny yes. people, you know. Um, yes, and I think that's one of the reasons, actually, with those two, that I, I'm one of the ones who actually like season four, and I think it's because when they they allowed them to be funny without each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think they're both great actors, and they're both great comedic actors, and it's just nice to watch them being funny without <laughs> the, the relationship drama stuff. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then, of course, there's on the boxes this whole thing about um, fun. Isn't it fun being glitter bombed? And it's actually a throwback to season three, the first episode when he glitter bombs her. Uh, um, at that's Curio. right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So nice it, it, it out of her mouth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I. It's kind of amusing to me and how much when you go back and watch season six there are just so many little moments that reference other things in the previous seasons so yeah um and then you know will gets really indignant about the whole thing and um he goes to find sue and then we get probably one of my least favorite things that the show's ever done oh um, yeah i don't know why they needed to do this but Sue was poisoned, food poisoned everybody, and then we get this whole montage of puking. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, oh, why yeah. is this? We've yeah. never really had gross out humor on the show. Yeah, I don't so, really like. I, uh, I'm really sensitive to gross out humor, so I get, when I saw that part, I forgot that part was in there. But when I watched mm. it, I kind of fast forward it after yeah. that. I'm like, nope, <laughs> it's sickening. <laughs> so. Yeah. And it's childish too. So. It is. Well, it's kind of Glee has always been a show that does a lot of darker humor, that does a lot of like satirical humor. 
And the like vomiting stuff was always like, you know, broad and gross out humor, which the show yeah. really is not known for. So I'm just wondering <laughs> if it's just the writer who thought it was funny. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Yes, I, which would make sense given it was his. Yeah. First and only script, and yeah. it, right, that's never been a thing in it before. Yeah. Oh. We're looking at you. Yeah. 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 Now. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say, because I, I didn't watch the whole thing, I'm just skimming through it, and I forgot about this. Um, to get her, because then she lights his car on fire too. Yeah. Which is crazy. But then <laughs> this is such a glee thing to do this next part. He dresses up as a woman and <laughs> shaves her head. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it makes her <laughs> like a super villain now, but yeah. it really, it's kind of a funny moment. Um, yeah. So yeah, oh, we get this. They're always trying to one up each other and get back each other. It gets, I mean, it's funny, but at some point, I don't know why, but this episode I felt too extreme, you know, just over the top annoying. I guess maybe that's, yes. maybe that's to call back to season one or something, but it's just. Uh. I think this whole. The, one of the points that I haven't really. Um, how to put this? One of the things that I didn't really think worked in season six is how much they kind of took Sue to the extreme. Yeah. Um. And, like, for example, she's right now she's breaking into Coach Beast's locker room and showing vocal adrenaline footage of Nazis. Like, it's ridiculous. It's just a little ridiculous. And I like that Beast kind of is like, he's like, you know, you've completely forgotten, like, these guys would have killed me back in the day. And you're so far over the top. You've completely forgotten that, you know whatever like that's not the point anymore like you and will being stupid um has gotten out of control and and he takes it back to a serious moment um which she was completely forgotten now Mm -hmm. we'll get into it more a little bit later because you know uh sue uh, she claims here that she's going to be like the next lux luther which i think is the joke of her being bald but (laughs) at the same time like we're gonna get all of this weird stuff about her. That, you know what? I'll just save it because that's at the end. Yeah. What her real plans? What are they? We won't really. I don't know if we ever really know. So, okay. So we get into sectionals, um, and like in the tradition of just about every other uh, competition episode, it's going to take up like the next twenty to twenty-five minutes of the episode. Um. So. Um, we get, I don't remember, hold on, let's see if I can get her name. We get our judges back. We haven't actually had a judges panel in a while, which I don't <laughs> think is necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Because I think the last real one that we got was that stuff with Perez Hilton and Lindsay Lohan, and yeah. it, it just did not work very well. And then they stopped doing it for season four. So, um, okay, so who are, okay, so the, one of the judges is the dog, haven't they? <laughs> yep, yep. Another one of the judges is uh, Rod Remington. Rod is Remington comes there? back. This is yeah. his final performance. Coming back as Rod. Yeah. Um. The one woman is Donna Landry's, and she was at the very first sectional. They made it a like point. Um. One. One of the first, maybe I don't know if it was sectionals or regionals, but she was at the very beginning. One of the season mm-hmm. one. Yes. Yeah. 
which whom they brought back because of the cat. And the last one is Fortune. What is it? How did you say her last I'm name? Feemster. Feemster, I think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which is a cute little cameo. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't get to do much, but <laughs> there's a cute little dog. Trixie, <laughs> the, yep. the poodle, I think. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Wait, what, is, what are they named? Oh, that's so funny. I'm Let's see. Donna Landry's is our picture. Yeah, Donna Landry's and Fortune Feimster was Butch Melvin and Rod there's the name of the third Glee Club was Rehabilitative oh. Ornithology. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> wow, that's okay, guys. No wonder, <laughs> no wonder they call call them the Bird Choir. The Bird Choir. <laughs> yeah, I think the Glee writers had a thing with birds because my God, like. They just kind of go all out with the bird metaphor here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Um, and then we get okay, so we get vocal adrenaline. They go next with um, with we we uh, we built a city, which is kind yeah. of funny that the name of the the episode is we built this Glee Club, and it's not a song that Glee, New Directions does. Yeah, it's vocal adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. We I haven't really talked much about vocal adrenaline, but I guess it'll be here. We'll do it here. Um, so this whole thing was that there's this guy named Clint leading it. I don't remember the actor's name, but they gave him a considerable amount of screen time, considering the fact that he does like absolutely nothing during the whole series, but sing or season, but sing. Um, do you think they gave him a... I mean, there was talk about it at the time. Do you think he was contracted to do so much and yeah. then they yeah, shortened the season? Because he did. You're right. He had an inordinate amount of time. Yeah, Matt he did. George, really bad. He was British and he had a horrible American accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, he looks like he's 30. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Just completely out of place, and I actually really like some of the songs Vocal uh, Vocal Adrenaline did uh, in season six, but it was just really with well, a bit too much of you, really. Yeah, yeah. there's oh, go ahead, Connie. And this uh, Max uh, George was a former member of the boy band The Wanted. Oh, so he was actually a, a lead singer or something. I remember the wanted, but I think they're really short-lived. But yeah, I remember when the, he was first cast, they made a big deal. Oh, this guy from a, you know one of the bands or is coming up to play this lead singer, and everybody was there was a big to do made out of it. But at the end, I think he kind of fizzled out. <laughs> yeah, so, they're, they're, yeah, the whole point was for him to be an antagonist for New Directions, but. Yeah. They didn't really do anything, um, and, like, he was just mean. Like, unlike, I think he was supposed to be a Jesse St. James character, yeah. but with Jesse, you get some, uh, you know, vulnerability there. You get some, you know, you you like him even as a villain, if he is a villain, because he 
has connections with your other characters. And this Clint guy never had any other than Will, which doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, he never really had any connections to any of the other characters. So, yeah. like, he's just as faceless as all the rest of the people that are dancing in the background. Yeah. Um, he just can sing pretty well, that's all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you're right. Really, really uh, very one-dimensional. There was nothing to... Yeah, there there was nothing to latch on to with that character. It was just somebody who sang and sort of spat a few lines out every now and again. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But exactly. they did do Rock Lobster, for which I am always very grateful. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Rock yeah. Lobster. Yeah. Um, they do hear one of my least favorite songs of all time because I find it irritating, um, which is uh, Hey Mickey. Oh yeah, I hate that song so much. I'm sorry. It's just—it's not even singing. It's just you're repeating the same phrase over and over again. Um, I will say it is a little bit funny. This is a callback to season two that they shoot people out of cannons. (laughs) (laughs) And like everybody's shocked and like what? And that is a throwback to shooting Britney out of cannon back in season two. Yep. So. All right, so we ping about on those things that they sort of um, leaping about on. um, I don't know what you would call them. They had them stretch their feet like. Oh, those like stiltish things that they're jumping up and down. But they're like they're curved. Yeah. Yeah. Down leaping around on those things as well. the whole thing, yeah, completely yeah. over the top, of course. Well, yeah, and you would expect that from Sue. I yeah. feel like it's less of a less of a singing competition and more of a like circus. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that was her point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's funny again. Like you know, there's all this spectacle, and I feel like sometimes the show forgets that it's a singing competition. <laughs> now, granted, it's you know we're we're on TV, and if you you know there's a difference, I think, when you're sitting in an audience and you're listening to a performance. There's a different experience than when you're in your living room and you have something on in the background. Yeah, you, you want to probably have be more visually stimulated, and that is why a lot of the choreography gets a little crazy sometimes. But um, not you know, but it's Glee and, and we don't try to base things on reality in this show. So <laughs> I, I'm not going to pick on it too hard, especially with what New Directions is going to do in just a minute. Yeah. Um, but we get our show circle. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a nice little moment because it's it's not only their last show last show circle that they're going to show on this. Oh, my God. Why is this hard to say? It's not only the last one they're going to do on the show. Um, but it's it's time. It gives Rachel a moment to reflect and to say, "Okay, this is where we are. This is where I've been. You're going to go out there and and do what you're meant to be doing, but you know, really enjoy the moment that you have here." And it's a nice little moment, I think, for her. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, so yeah, they have a nice little thing, and then we get three songs by the Glee Club. Um, the first one is the was it Hosier? Was yep, that the yeah. first name? Chandelier, yeah. Uh, it'll take me to church. Take me to church. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wonderful on that. Yeah. yeah. Roderick. I mean, Roderick is he can sing. 
Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, Noah yeah. Guthrie is just a beautiful. F- I, I think he's still singing. Yeah, I hope he he's is. still singing. Okay, he is. good. Definitely, he is. So. He's definitely doing wonderful. Yeah. And um, yeah, then the girls sing chandelier, mm-hmm. and then we got Myron dancing around. Is he supposed <laughs> to be Zaya in this? I'm not entirely sure what's going on. That was the most annoying, bizarre thing. I mean, I thought I thought about that even you know as I was watching episode for the first time way back then, and also when I was rewatching it, and then Myron shows up, and it's just so bizarre. I mean, like, why isn't he on the stage scene with the others? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I'm not seen the music video i don't know if they are referencing something what just yeah. say i i never know how you pronounce her name sia or saya or saya i don't know yeah. who sings it she wears that kind of a wig yeah uh-huh. i mean i think that's who he's supposed to be but i yeah. think so i mean it's it's bizarre and it's actually because i actually really love them singing chandelier i think the girls yeah, sing it yeah. beautifully i do too yeah. And then we've got then even if you know Myron wasn't bizarre enough, we've got uh, Spencer hanging from a chandelier because you know Roderick. I'm glad Roderick <laughs> talks him out of the whole like dancing thing and is like, yeah. guess what? I got an idea. We're gonna swing you from the chandelier, yeah. um, which is better than the Myron thing, I think. But that's <laughs> <laughs> most things, so. huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what's going on there. And then for our final one is. Um, Come sail away. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a nice, I mean, you know, Madison, uh, uh, yeah, it's Madison. I always get them mixed up. Mason. Uh, Mason, yeah. Mason, yep. it, it takes lead on this one. And I like that they kind of gave yeah. everybody a chance to sing and a chance to shine. And and they look Unless nice. And warbler. Yeah. 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 Well, warbler, you got to sway in the background, really. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I, mean, I, just... feel, I felt very sorry. I have to say for the poor warblers because you know, with all that bringing them together, and it's like I, I think they let them do a little bit of the dancing, but otherwise, that you know, it's like oh, it would have been nice to have seen them actually because we had got to know some of them a little bit at least. Yeah. It would have yeah. been quite nice to have seen that being a more genuine. Uh, it's definitely some Warbler's choreography going on here, though. That's there was well, definitely that's what they were using. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely that. I mean, I like that New Directions is in the center kind of doing their own thing, and the Warblers are to the side. They're doing their, like, Warbler stuff. <laughs> and it's reminiscent of, like, everything that they did in season one and two with both groups. They, they kind of pull out all the stops here at the end. and yeah. um, But I think it works more... I mean, at least there's choreography because for so long, and it's been mostly the season four stuff, there wasn't choreography. It was just them walking around on stage. Yeah. And to see actual dancing again is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, Agreed. And yeah. and they sound great. Um, you can come sail away. It, it's kind of a nice ending for them. Um, yeah. It's kind of a way to say goodbye in our yeah. the 80s vocabulary that this show seems to do. <laughs> I remember. I distinctly remember when I was first watching this episode for the, you know, for the first time when it aired. When it comes away, when they say "comes away," I I teared up, and I, mm-hmm. and I, I think I realized it was the last, probably the last time we're gonna hear them sing. And the lyrics, I, the, if you really take a look at the lyrics of the song, I think that's sort of like 
they're they're going away. Um, you know, they're pursuing the next chapter, or, or at least that's how I interpreted the song. And what was interesting was I I remember that after the episode aired, one of the members of Sticks, the the group, actually mm-hmm. came online. And he referenced, he said, that version of the song, the way that the, you know, that was used in Glee and how the, um, how New Direction sang it, that was, that was the way the song meant to be sung. Yeah. Oh, that's such a cool thing. I didn't know they did that. Yep. I remember that. I said, that was really neat that he, he kind of specifically singled that out. So that means they did a great job. (laughs) Yeah. It's nice to hear that. Yeah, it is. It's also nice to see. I think this is one of those times when I think New New Directions actually deserves to win. Yeah. Because, you know, Vocal Adrenaline was a bunch of, you know, spectacle, but these guys, they sounded great. They looked great. And, you know, it, I, yeah. Um, So they they did a good job. They put, and you're, you're right. I like that. That imagery of sailing away, you know what it kind of reminds me? You know how like when the Lord, end of the Lord of the Rings and they all get on a boat and they leave and yeah. some people are left behind, but they, you know, that's what it feels like, you know, you know, yeah, again, it's another ending. It's another way to, you know, we're wrapping this yeah. up, but you know, these, you can imagine these characters' lives going on. It's not the end of their life, but yeah. um, it's just going to be different from here on. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, then okay, so we get this judges thing that's been going on since like it's about three or four minutes long, <laughs> and you know I've come to the conclusion that there might be only maybe one judges panel that I actually like, and that's the one with the original song because you've got you know you've got Kathy Griffith and you've got that uh, Loretta I think was it Loretta Devine that did the. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know the nun who used to be a stripper. Yeah, it was (laughs) genuinely funny. Uh Um, I didn't think this was funny. Um, You just got. I remember remember watching this, and I was like, the stuff they were taking, talking about. I was really kind of taken aback because they really pushed the limit of stereotyping. I mean, and to the pot. To that point where they that they were downright rude, I think. Yeah. Well, like so. this, one of the lines that um that Donna Landry's lady says, she's like, and by the time we got the fatty singing taking me to church, I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> no. Like yeah. we don't need to make derogatory jokes like you are bad. you actually are better than this glee. And every time you mm-hmm. go back to this like foul humor. Like and now she does this complaint. She's like, these people are so stupid and they can't sing and I don't want to be here. I'm like, it's maybe it was funny the first time around, mm-hmm. but it's not funny this time. And yes. it, I don't know. I mean, and Rod is Rod. I mean, he's a little bit funny in his, you know, awkward way, but and then the other yeah. person just kind of stands there and looks cute with a dog. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really add anything. Yeah. So well, I think she even, I don't know whether it was Donna or whether, it was, I think it was Donna who was saying that one of the, one of the, uh, the, the clubs, I think it was New Direction, they said their IQ was so low or something that they, she said they were idiots or something like yeah. that. I was like, why? Why do you? Why? I that? mean, it's just not, it, yeah. I have always felt 
that having these judges panels and having these judges being so stupid about music, like why are they trying so hard at these competitions? I think it devalues the competition aspect of it because then it doesn't matter if you're good or not. It just matters on what kind of mood these stupid judges are in. And while there Mm -hmm. is a slight aspect to that in real life, like it just completely undermines It's so exaggerated here that it undermines the amount of work these groups go into. And it just takes me out of it. I'm like, if the judges are stupid and don't give a shit about it, why should we, you know, why are, you know, we're, we're trying to either it's, they're trying to make this big emotional push of, you know, winning this thing is important, but if you don't have boundaries and you don't have people who actually judge the competitions as if they were important, then this whole thing is not important and mm-hmm. you've completely undermined your entire point. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry for that long run on sentence, mm-hmm. but <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the, I mean, we've gotten judges panels throughout the whole series um, and maybe this particular one was trying to make a call or the fact that they included the Donna for, uh, Donna and that I know that they were making a callback, but maybe they were specifically trying to make a call explicit callback to season one and see the judges hasn't haven't changed much at all. Yeah. But maybe I'm sure, yeah, right. That's the only thing I can think about, the way that remotely would have some relevance. You did this. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so they. Okay, so we get the next sequence, which is them waiting to see who was going to win. And I love that there's this kind of random, like, advertisement for a waffle house. <laughs> and Kitty's like, I love waffles. I mean, it's so, like, just hilariously out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so, and then again, this cracks me up that. It, everybody gets so invested in it and I feel like you know you're telegraphed like I don't know if you know season one might have been the only time that the competitions held any kind of weight like you didn't honestly know whether they're gonna win or lose and I think every time afterwards it is kind of telegraphed so all of this like spending a lot of time waiting to see if they're gonna win or not it, I get yeah. that they almost feel obligated to do it, but it isn't as shocking or as emotional to me anyway. Yeah. I don't know, but it is a nice, I feel like it works in a, as a, Hey, remember all the other times that we did this kind of thing? Um, you know, I don't know. Yep. And I think it was the. I guess it's their. It was their first competition as a combined group too. I guess mm-hmm. new directions in the warper. So that's uh, yeah. Puts it together. I think it's a callback again to that season one where they lost sectionals in season one, and then they won this time, and yeah, just a nice little moment for them. Um, so it's circular in a way that feels satisfying, even if it is incredibly predictable. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, okay. So then we get what might be one of those bizarre scenes that it works for me because it's so, so ridiculous. <laughs> um, we get this Will and Sue scene. <laughs> 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 where Sue has got her hair back. I guess she's wearing a wig. Um, and she wants him to thank her. Thank her. And I, all I can hear is Kurt saying, don't actually thank her. Um, and 
this is where she goes on this whole spiel about how she was secretly helping them the whole time and how like she was like oh let's see you know she has been trying to do all of this stuff to destroy the glee club because she really wanted to help it but she hates it but she hates loves it and she hates it and it you know it, it goes back and forth so many times that you're like it's it is satirical at this point because it's the writers going look we we just we don't know we just yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the end of the series why not just put everything to the wall so you yeah with the bang literally so but yeah I mean there's some when she was explaining her choices about the judges about you know mm-hmm. the the um her reasons for you know the Mocha Durman song choice and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so detailed and so, you know, so uh, bizarre that I was like, what are you trying to spin? You know, you can't really tell if she's actually telling, you know, the truth or if she's just making yeah. it up as she goes along. Because yeah. she's like, this song would remind Donald Andrews of the specific thing that happened in 1964. Yeah. And then this, you know, <laughs> and it's, Really kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's worth... I mean, Jane Lynch is just the, the yeah. absolute best of, of the comedic yeah. monologues. I think she's the, she's the one person that could pull it off, you know. You know so that was definitely for her, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's not meant to be taken seriously. It's meant to be as ludicrous and over the top as it is. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, but she can, she, you're right, she can really do it. Yep. I mean, and this whole thing is, re- it's, it's, and I don't even really like Sue Will scenes very often. And I think that it just goes, we know you're tired of this. Why don't we just make this as absurd as possible? Yeah. Just throw everything else. And like, yeah, the whole time Sue was supposed to help, except for, and then again, it's twisting. Like, okay, you know, I, I did all of this because I wanted you guys to win and to push you to the extreme. And then he's like, okay. That's great. Thank you. And then she's like, okay, I'm out to get you again. And it's like, oh my God. But the writers are doing it on purpose. And it that's why I said it works for me. Yeah. You know, they know the show's ending. They know that there's not going to be a, another rivalry or go around or whatever. Yeah. So they can do all of this. Um, um, you know, just to, when I was rewatching it, I was wondering, I said, how many takes did it take for them to do that scene? Because I can just imagine. Well, yeah, well, I mean, Matt Morrison's, you know, trying to, you know, hold his, you know, hold his, uh, you know, hold his expression while she, you know, while she was going off on this, while Jane Lynch was going off on this. Because I don't think I could keep a straight face when, when she was, you know, giving her monologue. So right. Yeah. Well, and I feel like Jane Lynch is professional enough that she probably could do it, like in one yeah. take without yeah. laughing. But uh-huh. yeah. Oh man! <laughs> it makes me sad that we never got a gag reel. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh yes. Right? Me too. I was just watching one of my current of oh, just recent guilty, guilty, guilty pleasures has been Shadowhunters for no other reason that I really think the guy who plays one of the shadow uh, <laughs> one of them is really, really yeah. cute. That is like an okay reason to like anything. Go for yeah. it. <laughs> I think so. I think so. But they've just been releasing all the bloopers and they're really funny. And uh-huh. yeah, I'm not you that would have been I would have really loved that. And they must have them. Yeah. Thank they you. Must and have I know that 
somebody asked about it, and I think this was a joke, but they said we can't release them because Darren swears too much. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it's not like you can't beep it out. I mean, like you watch any blooper reel on, and they bleep out the (laughs) FU like that or the whatever. Um, He does curse like a sailor, but yes. He does. And not like most of them else don't, and not like they wouldn't be able to beep it out. Or I, I feel like just... Looking at what we got on the DVD box, that's past season two. You, we don't really. I mean, season yeah. six they did give us quite a bit with like the, all of the. There's a few going away uh, featurettes on them, yeah. but um, I, the, you know, they stopped even making Blu-rays. Like I know people were really upset after season four because season five and six weren't on Blu-ray, and then they just didn't have a. You know, their collection wasn't even because they were forced to buy DVDs. Um, I keep they, on. Nope, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead, Connie. Nope, I keep ahead. on wishing they um, would, at some point, release this big commemorative set of everything, you know, with bloopers, with everything else. And I keep on waiting for them to do yeah. that. Maybe for 20 or they didn't do it for 10, so yeah. um, maybe for mm-hmm. 20 or 25. Yeah, maybe. I, I think that the show was such a burn bright and burn fast and burn out kind of show. <laughs> uh, not that, I mean, cause like I said, you guys know, I really appreciate these later seasons, but um, I think it went in and out of um, culture really quickly. Pop culture. It went through really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I don't, I mean, even like looking at the t- stuff for the 10 year, it was not, I'm, I am surprised cause we just had the 10 year re- um anniversary of it starting that so many people acknowledged it i was not actually expecting that mm-hmm. um though i by far i think my favorites was darren's because happy he said something like happy 10 year anniversary to a show that i wasn't even on at the, same, at the time or something like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um but um I don't, I think it has left a social, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I think it left a footmark on culture and on society, but I don't know if it was, it wasn't, it ended up being a huge phenomenon that it will be, um, gosh, I can see it maybe in 10, 15 years being a cult classic, like being something like kids 20 years from now, like pick up and they're like, oh my God, look at this cult show. Well, it started out as a cult, I mean, cult, but I mean, before it really got big, I guess, um, I guess in 2010, I guess, it, it, then, 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 then that's really kind of, it really it reached peak pop culture status then, but it started out, uh, started out as a cult, being a cult mm-hmm. uh, show, because the first 13 episodes, they didn't even know whether it was going to be on, you know. Right. Again, so All right. well, yeah. but do you did you guys catch there was something recent where uh, Kevin McHale and Jenna Ushkowitz did a little like trivia quiz with Tyler Oakley, and like even th- they had no idea half of the stuff on the show actually happened, and this wasn't yeah. even like later season stuff. It was like you know who did Quinn have a tattoo of, and they're like we don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you? It's just funny that like yeah, it, you know even the the actors are distant from it and yeah i mean like kevin and jenna have their their podcasts and they do talk about a lot of glee stuff but um it's i don't know it's just an interesting 
Well, I suppose the details of it, when you think the hours they worked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, speaking as somebody this side of the water, that, you know, we would sometimes sort of, like, wake up and you could still have the actors tweeting from the sat till sort of you know uh way into the day for us so god knows what uh you know what hour it would have been for them yeah you know given that you know they wouldn't start till late afternoon or my time mm -hmm. uh you know if, if they were on set the tweeting would start so some of those at the hours they must have been keeping must have been oh god yeah so you can imagine it and and the speed because the guest actors used to say how uh Friend. Oh my God, the, the stuff they have to learn and do and get done. So um, I imagine trying to actually keep up and remember what your character did in would be really hard because you would have just been learning the lines for the next thing, getting on with the next, you know. Mm -hmm. It must yeah. have been a bit of a, uh, a treadmill for them, actually, in many ways. Yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. yeah. Well, and I can only imagine, because it's also for, through... Um, a lot of their formative years too, but I, 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 I'm guessing that the musical numbers took longer to shoot than a dialogue scene. So let's say you have, you know, these huge productions of musical numbers that you have to do that you probably seared like every lyric of that song you remember, mm. but this little dialogue scene between two people that took like, you know, an hour to do. I can see where some of that was like, yeah, we don't remember that because that yeah. was, that didn't involve us. And I, I did like that they said, you know, both of them would skip over the New York parts of their scripts. And they're like, we don't know anything that happened in New York because we didn't, you know. Yeah, we're not there. We didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, or just the fact that they, something they talked about was like, they, they that tour that they did between seasons two and three. Oh, yeah. The, the big tour. one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, they had, they, everybody always talks about that tour. I'd hear more conversations from like the actors who went about that tour than I ever hear about the actual show itself. So I feel like the stuff that happened to them on the tour seems to have made a very, very, very long, you know, lasting impression, right. which makes sense because they basically lived as a basically touring group yeah. for an entire summer. Yep, they did. Well, I think, you know, for, I guess this speaks to the overall show, but, um, I think for the time that it was in, I, I think it served a good purpose because it talked about a lot of the social issues that were out, like bullying, uh, mm -hmm. the, you know, LGBT issues. So I think that was, for that time the period that it was in, like the 2009 to early 2000s, I think it was meant, it served as a good vehicle. I mean, it had a good influence um that spread throughout pop culture. I think yeah, I think it led to other shows kind of, you know, uh, I guess building upon what they were doing, uh, not yeah. from a musical standpoint, but just social. Opening the doors with social commentary. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. I think for that purpose, it served its purpose. Um, There's um, a gif that's used from Iron Man 2, where Iron Man at the end of the movie comes down 
and he's talking to, uh, I think he's talking to Pepper, and he's like, I don't think it was that bad. And he like looks at the, and then something in the background explodes. All things considered, I did pretty good. And then it's like, uh, boom. And I have to dig that GIF out because I think that speaks to Glee as a whole. <laughs> 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 because it was a freaking hot mess, but it wasn't that bad. Like, uh, you know, um, yeah. Uh, um, so, okay. There's a couple other, there's, there's two more scenes left in the episode. And the first one is between Rachel and Jesse. And I, I really like this. Um, I even like how they're sitting, um, because, and I don't know if they did this in purpose or not, but, um, Jesse's sitting in the front of the seats and, and, and Rachel's kind of a rower to the back. And it reminds me of in season one when um, Shelby and Rachel were talking and they're sitting like this. And she's like, why are we sitting like this? And Shelby's like, it's more dramatic or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was flipped around. I don't remember who said what. But mm-hmm. it was like, because it's more dramatic. <laughs> but I, I I like I like this little moment between the two of them. I like this conversation about, you know, yeah, this was a great time. Like, they are post high school these are now memories and yeah they were just part of these other high school kids memories of you know the glee club stuff but it, i feel like it's us the audience like these were great memories and yeah you know we have to move on with our lives and we have to do new things but um let's just take a second and, and remember all of the fun that we had doing this yep yeah yeah um, we also get because we also get a little romantic moments. I I kind of wonder if once they got Jonathan Groff on board, which I'm sure was not a very hard to talk him into doing it, because um, he he seemed pretty excited about coming back. Um, they they give a little kiss between Rachel and Jesse, and it's very sweet. Yeah. Um, and I I think this is it's it's funny to me that they have this little moment here in the in in this particular episode and then bam you can buy them or at least i buy them being married in the finale i don't know yeah. how you guys feel but i could oh, yeah yeah hopefully i i remember when i remember when the tragedy with Corey and happened and we were trying to figure out what was going to happen with finn and how rachel was going to come out or uh, wind up when the show was going to go on the thought had crossed my mind that, that the thought had crossed my mind that if she were to have a get into a relationship with anybody, it probably would be Jesse. <laughs> because mm-hmm. that that seemed like a logical choice in my mind, not only because of the of the uh, real life uh, friendship between the closeness between um Leah Michelle and um and Jonathan Groff. It just it made sense to me that they would that would be the only logical choice or the sense the, the choice that made sense to me so when they actually the characters actually kissed on the show at the scene i was like yep yeah, it didn't surprise me that it happened so right yeah i agree um you know what another nice little thing about this this particular scene is i like that when he talks about her because most of the times in the show, when people are like the great Rachel Berry, you kind of roll your eyes. You're like, oh, my God. But mm-hmm. when he says it, there's something really like, yeah, you believe that she's 
this big deal. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wish, I'm kind of sad now that the show didn't have more Jonathan Groff, really, because, like, him saying, you know, like, you know, I'm sad that I'm not going to be alongside the great Rachel Berry. It it does seem a little like, oh, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, it, she feels bigger um, than maybe what the show is actually presented. So, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Um, so we get this last scene of this episode, and this is really the first time for me that I felt the show ending. Because we get this nice little, you know, conversation from Will talking about, you know, what life's going to be like in 20 years. I like that there's a little nod. He says, you know, maybe you'll be talking to your sons or daughters about it. And it very purposely um, shows Kurt and Blaine looking at each other. Yep. And um, definitely set up for them having a kid in the finale. Yep. Um, but it, you know, it's also one of those speeches where, you know, this is a great ride, this was a great journey, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it wasn't necessarily that moment. It was the fact that when they start putting the trophies into the trophy case, yeah. you know, they have these flashbacks of oh. all of the other times they won. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was a really good, good, poignant scene. It really yeah. was. Yeah. And I, I, Will says, you know, it's the ending for some of us, but it's the beginning for other people. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that kind of circular storytelling. I like that they're like, okay, this is time for us to reflect on everything that's come before it. But, you know, the story isn't over. We're just not going to be watching it anymore. And yeah. so it's open-ended. You know this world's going to continue. You know that... Glee Club is going to be a thing that continues on, but you know this, the story that we started with our characters is going to be over. Yeah, and I don't know. It's just really sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it. I think it was a good way to end it. I mean, if if, if the show were to if the show were to end right there, I think. Um, I think, you know, for the scene, I think it was very appropriate for them to, and very moving for them to use the trophies, you know, kind of like a look back and everything, mm-hmm. and just have the trophies all there in one case. I think yep. it was a good blending of the old and the new. So, so, um, and then, uh, so, if the, I mean, that really did seem like, like what you said, a season uh, into the story, uh, into the story. Yeah, line. I mean, you could uh, tell... Not that they were going to. I mean, there was always going to be an ending. But, like, yeah. let's say we didn't know. You can see where this could be an ending. Or you yep. could go forward with this new group of characters. It's definitely yeah. an ending for Rachel and Kurt and Blaine and whatnot. Yeah. But these other characters, it's totally open-ended. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yep. So, it's our... And it's the end of our season six story. I mean, the whole point of season six, even if people don't want to believe it, um, <laughs> was that... <laughs> You know, it was the story about Will and Rachel and Kurt and Blaine coming back to Lima at their lowest points and yeah. building themselves up again and building Glee Club again. It's it's the where a lot of season five was moving towards the end of the the Glee Club in the middle of the season. The mm-hmm. rest of everything is about building it back up and leaving mm-hmm. it in a good place to end the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And I and now as I'm I'm uh, a self I really don't particularly love the uh, the flashback episode. Oh, 2009. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's not one of my 
one of my least favourites. I really could have, I could, I would have been quite happy to go from this one to the last one personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but because uh, I felt this was a this was a nice rounding off moment, and mm-hmm. we'd had quite a lot of nods to the way back. So I kind of know why they did it, but it, it's yeah, it still wasn't my favourite. Yeah. Um, I I would have personally quite like to have gone from this to uh, the last to the one. finale yeah. I think yeah it makes a lot of sense and and um I don't know I, I how do you guys feel like I feel yeah there were a few missteps within the season but I think the season is actually pretty good I think it's best it's been written in a, in a long while kind yeah. of excluding the New York arc in season five but I don't think the writing has been this tight for a long time and I think that they basically you accomplished the emotional beats that they set out to accomplish. Yeah. And I think once they knew that there was, that this was going to be the final season, I think that they knew, but they, I think they knew what kind of end point they were going for. And so that's why I think the writing was tighter than usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they only had 13, I guess, but if you don't count these two episodes, I mean, I guess, and 13 episodes, I guess they would only, if you don't count the last two, they would just count, you only had 11 episodes to kind of introduce storyline and wrap up the storyline. So that's not a lot of episodes compared to what they had before, you know. But I kind of, like I said at the beginning, yeah. they kind of, you know, go back to that season one storytelling where they only had that those 13 episodes. And yeah. I think, yeah. 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 No, I, I liked, I, I actually really like season six. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, me too, which is, I like it more and more, because I remember fandom was such a, excuse my expressions, but such a shit show for oh, so God. much of the seasons five and six and four, um, yeah. that when I go back to season six, and you can kind of just watch it as its own little glee movie, like season five is kind of where the show kind of ends, yeah. and season six is this little epilogue of a, of like, if there was a glee movie, it would be this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so. and then and then I think the final two episodes, two thousand nine, and um, the the final one is I think that was sort of like the co- coda to the coda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of was. Yeah. It was the yeah. coda to their epilogue. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. So well, yeah, I and, I, and I, I kind of get that. And I mean, I, I'm somebody who oh, I fell in love with Glee from the. I, I always say not from the pilot. It was from the trailer of the pilot. Um, I could just remember seeing them at Vocal Adrenaline doing rehab and squealing because <laughs> I just wanted to watch whatever show was doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and I loved season one. Uh, yeah. Hugely. Uh, so I can understand why they did that, that, you know, let's go back to the start business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe we're. Re- I mean, I guess I, I mean I do have two more. Um, there's two more episodes left, but it it does feel like coming to an end. I mean, it's it's kind of yeah, two. a little yeah. bit higher than a bittersweet moment, but um, yeah. <laughs> wow! Yeah. But it's so, been quite the project. It has, it has been. been. It's been yeah. a lot of fun. Um, and to sit and talk to you guys about it, and all the guests that I've had on, and and make so many really great friends, and to bring together a fandom that may. I don't know. I don't know what there would have been like without me there. But um, 
it's been a, an adventure. I'll say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it, it, well, it's been certainly been a project and a, uh, I guess, a labor of love, and also and uh, in, in a really big time investment for you. And it's been fun looking back and having having the, I guess, the experience of having some time had passed. Yeah. When the series ended to to now, just to kind of. With all the, without all the fandom drama and, and things, and just to, I mean, that's a story in and of itself, which we talked about mm-hmm. some before, but just to have that kind of gone away and just to watch the episodes for what they were, it's a, it was a totally different experience, and I, and I really appreciate having the opportunity to go back and revisit oh, yeah. these. It's, so. it's kind of been kind of fun in a, it's, you know, it's been 10 years since the show started, and I feel like, I mean, I wasn't a teenager when the show started, but I think even going from your mid-20s to your mid-30s, cha- things change, and you just mm-hmm. look at things differently, and I just, even the podcast started, the podcast started a year, not even a year after the show ended, wow. and um, that's how I've been on for since 2016, which has only been three years, but it's been over the course of four years. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I, I feel like even I look at the show differently than I did when it was on, when I started. And it's been, I don't know, it's been kind of, like we said at the beginning, it's nice to be able to just sit back and just kind of enjoy these episodes. And mm-hmm. is this particular episode my favorite episode? Not at all, but it is still fun. It's still a lot of kind of little, lot of good moments, a lot of things to talk about, a lot of good music. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know? I think that's one of the things I miss most about Glee. I used to. Um, it used to reconnect me with things I thought I'd, I'd either forgotten or I loved and it was just a pleasure to hear it sung again. Uh-huh. It also used to keep me in touch with a lot of the stuff that was in the charts that I, I know. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. I, agree. I used to uh, love it for that. And it's, uh, yeah. yeah, I do miss it. I do miss it. But yes, yeah. it. <laughs> It's it's an easier watch away if you got sort of I imagine if you never re- got involved with the fandom thing it was never a thing anyway but for yeah. those of us that did it is quite nice to have uh, a bit of distance yeah. it? <laughs> it is yeah I, I wonder if it's a, it must be a totally different experience binge watching it as opposed to just having it come on um, week having after it week. come on week after week I mean in real time so it's just you know, well, I differently. Yeah. I will say people who've talked to me about coming in during seasons five or season six or people that were coming into the show at the end did not have the issues with the show that those of us had wa- who had been watching it the whole time had. Ah, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But um, shout out to Sledius because she she's like... She's always been like, I don't know what what your guys' problem is. Like, it's fine. <laughs> she just watches the whole show. Like, she yeah. came in at near the end of season five and watched season six live, and then she enjoyed season six at the time. And she's like, you people are all running around like everything's on fire, and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so. Well, that's part of the fan of experience, good or bad. And yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that kind of reaches our natural 
stopping point. Um, I want to thank you guys for being on this one with me. I know it's not a clean heavy one, but it's still, like I said, a, a relevant and, and it closing off in, in, in a good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was really nice to talk yeah. to you guys about this one. and. Yeah. Um, and thank you because I yeah. will speak to you in the other two but uh, you know because I listen to the other podcasts and it's been fun to take part if only a few because of the time differences and things but yeah. it's, been, it's been good fun so thank you yes thank <laughs> you yeah. um, I, my guests have been I've been so lucky to have such wonderful guests so I, I really appreciate when you guys come back on and um Next Sunday, you know, it's kind of funny. My my schedule is a little screwy, so I don't actually know what's going up next Sunday when I do it. But um, there'll be something fun. Um, there's going to be a lot more special podcasts before we reach the end, reach the end so check that out. Um, okay. We are still doing all the other ghosts podcasts that will be up soon. Hopefully, it'll be back up by the time this actually airs. Um, and yeah, I'll see you next Sunday. But now they're okay Only me or my You're the apple of my eye Girl, I never loved one like you Found you hiding here So won't you take my hand, darling There's nothing that can stop you From becoming popular Lar Don't suffer